0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to Extra Tomorrows. I'm Jay Scott Chapman. Thanks for hanging out. Get ready to dive into the world of running with none other than Sarah Foreman. She's not only an accomplished ultra runner, she's also an incredibly thoughtful running coach for Team Run Run. Sarah's got the skills, the passion, and the know-how to help you meet your running goals. Before we get started, I have a small ask. Help us spread the joy of running by sharing this podcast with a friend. And now, Sarah Foreman. Sarah Foreman, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here.
0: So uh, you just came off of this weekend doing the eight hours of power, got first place. How are you feeling?
1: Great. I was actually pretty surprised because... I was running it with a couple of friends, mainly to support them, and I was just kind of doing it as a training run to see uh, where I was at with my training for across the years, and I felt really good the entire time, probably up until about that last loop. Mm-hmm. I felt really good.
0: Nice. Oh, so you're you're just one of those people who are like, well, I'm just doing it for a training run, and I'll just casually win it, too. Sorry, guys.
1: <laughs> that was completely unexpected. <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. And uh, yeah, so just to say you and I already know this, but people that are listening would know this, that we're both doing the, uh, across the years, the 200 mile version of it. During that race, they also have six day. I know they have a 24 hour, 48 hour, maybe there's a three day. There's also a last man standing, a hundred mile. And there may be shorter distances even than that. I don't know. There might be a 50 mile or something, but Big event starts in 2023, ends in 2024, which that's what kind of drew me. And I was like, oh, what a neat way to spend New Year's. Because all, you know, in the past, people have just been like, let's go get drunk at midnight. I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that. And I don't think I'm going to be awake then either. But, um, right,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: so this is a good way to ensure that I probably will be awake.
1: Yeah. I thought about running this 72 hours. Uh, mm-hmm. That's initially what I was going to do. And then I saw that they were now offering the 200 mile and I've been wanting to do a 200 for a long time. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, this is the perfect opportunity. You know, it's going to be flat. It's out in Arizona. My sister lives just a few miles away. So the whole family is going to go out there for Christmas and I'm just going to run the whole time.
0: Wow. Well, you know, I mean, it depends on which day you start, but you might still get to run that 72 hour, depending on how long it takes you.
1: Yeah, Maybe 200 miles. that's true.
0: <laughs> you can knock them what off. Day one are you one. Starting? I'm starting the last day that they allow. I guess my optimism was like, oh, well, what if I finish it? What if I knock it out of the park? And I was like, I need to be as close to New Year's as possible in order to, to make sure that I'm awake or whatever. So, yeah. Right. How about you?
1: Um, I'm starting on the 28th, so I'll be there the first day.
0: Okay, cool. You can let me know what the course is like. Oh, absolutely. But you'll, you'll be out there a full day before me. I make it as a joke because it is a 1.01 mile track or whatever. Right. And I can't. <laughs> I've never done a race like that, so I'm just. I'm wondering what it's going to be like. You know that I'm like, do I carry a bottle? I mean, it's like, you know, depending on how my lap's going, 10 to 20 minutes long. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, and yeah. I think there's a water stop halfway through, isn't there?
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's a water stop in, yeah. yeah. Huh, yeah. It's it's gonna be a tough people are like, Oh, that sounds boring. I'm like, Yeah, but you could I mean your aid station's right there. You can be like, Hey, can you have a quesadilla ready for me in ten minutes?
1: <laughs> right? right. See, off. I I love the looped races.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I you your gear. Yeah,
1: yeah. you have all your gear right there, and your crew sees you constantly. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think they're a lot of fun.
0: And are you going to do the whole setup with the tent and everything and, and uh, yep. picnic table or whatever?
1: Yeah, I've rented a tent and a cot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my parents are driving out there in their RV. So mm-hmm. they'll have that set up as well. Um, and then, yeah, they'll be there all night with me, and um, my husband will be in and out because he'll have the kids as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Wow. That's going to be fun. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's a neat thing that they're doing too that people might not know about is that they're, they're allowing you to, you know, rent camping equipment. Pretty much everything I think you'd need except for a cooler. I haven't seen yet, mm-hmm. but I imagine they'll, they'll get the, they'll probably get requests for that. Cause I mean, it's, yeah, if you're flying, it's like you don't want to buy a cooler and then just throw it away or leave it behind. It's kind of a, one thing there even though it's the high is only what 72 maybe during the race and it i don't know but yeah that'll be exciting cool did you
1: did you rent the tent and the cot and everything
0: i haven't yet i'm still going back and forth because i'm just weighing that with you know it's it's a long drive for me it's like 12 hours but i've done it before Mm -hmm. and i could you know kind of make my way down there. And it's a good time to get away from Montana for a bit to get a break from the ice and snow and everything. And also, you know, it's just being able to have all your gear. And then I, I weigh 12 hours of of driving with, like, you know, the risk of getting sick by flying with, you know, 200 people in a big aluminum tube or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want to start off a... Two or three day race with, you know, the beginnings of being sick. So there's that.
1: Right. Yeah. We're flying out, um, but we were trying to get nonstop because I was worried about getting delayed, but we couldn't find a nonstop that would work for the whole family. So we're just going to risk it. If I get there a day late, you know, I guess I can start uh, a day late.
0: Yeah. I bet that'd accommodate it. Mm hmm. Cool. Cool. Um, well, speaking of, you just spoke about your family and, um, one of the things, so you're a coach, uh, with team Mm -hmm. run, run. And, uh, one of the things that you talk about on your page is balancing running with family. So, um, I was just thinking, you know, not about family as much. My son's grown and, and, you know, gone. And so it's like, I, I wonder about this with like just anything that takes up any kind of amount of time or anything that you care about, about. So I was just doing the math in my head, uh, you know? Um, <clears> of <throat> so, so let's say you work, you know, you got eight hours a day of that let's say nine hours of sleeping. So that's what 17 hours. So then that leaves you with uh, how many hours is that? 24, seven hours to eat and clean up and do bathroom, shower things. And, there's just, not, there's a you know, you have to be pretty on the ball and then, then throw in like an hour and a half of running, like, let's say it's during the weekday, throw in an hour and a half of running. So then that takes them like, what, five and a half hours or something to do all of the things. And if you commute, well, then mm-hmm. there's that. It's, it's, a, it's mind blowing. So then I, I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot imagine people with young children, unless they just like push them screaming in a stroller around the neighborhood <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> So can you talk to me about that? Help help enlighten me on how how you uh think think through that.
1: Yeah. So, well, I don't push the stroller and run because for me running is my time. Right. Um so and I'm really fortunate because my husband is also an ultra runner. So mm-hmm. he understands the amount of time that I need to put into this. Um but usually I'll get up around 4:30, 4:45 every morning and I'll go out. Usually I take my dog with me and we'll just run around the neighborhood. And I just make sure that I'm back by 7 a.m. to get the kids up for school and get them on the bus and all of that. Um, And then lately, when I do my long runs, I just get up a little bit earlier. I run again till seven, get them off to school, and then I go back out.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I think you must run. be. I, I think you're breaking up because you said four thirty is when you usually get up, and then on your long runs mm-hmm. you get up even earlier than that. But that can't be. That can't be what you said.
1: <laughs> can't be right. <laughs> yeah, I get up pretty early. I just kind of gotten used to it, and I love being out there in the dark in the morning. It's just so peaceful. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you have young kids, that's the most peaceful part of your day is when you're out on your run.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, and it seems like I've watched a fair bit of Sally McRae's stuff and she's done yeah. that too, like 4.30 for however old her kids are. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. And it seems like two a day is kind of come into play there too, you know, where it's like if you can't get in the three hours, well, then do a half a hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half and later whenever maybe they're gone to school or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's some heroic effort, though, to do for, <laughs> I don't know, 15 years or something, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know what, though? I've always thought of parenting as the best form of ultra training.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, there's nothing like going out for a 20 miler and you're exhausted. And all you want to do is come home and sit down and relax. But yeah. your kids are like, no, I have a soccer game right. or, you know, come come sit and play with me or I need snacks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I've always thought that that was kind of a benefit for me in a way. Yeah. Because then when you're out running a hundred miles, like you don't get a break after 20 miles, you just have Mm -hmm. to keep going.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I wonder, do you, do you consider, is that, does that put people at like, so sometimes when a lot of people are, when they're waking up at four 30 or whatever, they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll, they might be sacrificing the length of sleep and uh mm-hmm. being someone who kind of, you know, I think you talk about kind of post injury running and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then there's, you know, there was that study they did with uh I guess it was special forces operators where they showed that the people who slept you know, the difference between the people who slept 8 hours and the people who slept 4 hours on average, there was like a 230% increased risk of injury. How do you how do you get people to think about that and to factor that into everything?
1: Yeah. I mean, I believe it because I do think that sleep is the most important thing. Like if you, if I wake up in the morning and my alarm goes off at four thirty, and I'm just like, no, I can't do it today. I take mm-hmm. that day off.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I take one to two days off of running every week and I kind of let my body make that decision
0: of mm-hmm. what days
1: those are going to be. So normally I I'm able to get up, get going, no problem, excited to be out there. So I, I take that into account. I usually am in bed by 9.30 too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's see. What does that put you at? What's 9 to 4? Um, how many hours is that? It's too early here for me for to do the math. Seven. Okay. <laughs> seven. All right. Cool. Yeah. So not too bad. Yeah, yeah. I think it gets uh, – I wonder if it changes when you get older because I've – I mean, nowadays – yeah. I, I'm two days out from my race and I was trying, I'm trying to hit like nine hours every night. Just, uh, yeah. Like doing the hot bath an hour beforehand, just to make sure that when it's time to go to bed, I am out.
1: Yes. That's but, uh, that's great. The great part about training too is you're so tired at the end of the day that sleeping yeah. isn't a problem.
0: Yeah. So that's interesting. So you don't, so it sounds like what you, you don't do plan days off. You you kind of play it by ear and listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, that that must be challenging to, I mean, in kind of like hustle culture, it must be challenging to teach people to do that because they're like, they don't know. Maybe, you know, if you don't have a lot of experience with running, then you don't know, like, okay, this is the appropriate amount of tired. And then this is like, over the edge. How do you get people to like, to think about that?
1: Well, I think that the thing that I'm always telling my athletes is listen to your body. Mm -hmm. So when you're out on a run, you know, listen to how you're feeling. Are you feeling more tired that day? Is it tired? Like you need a break or is it tired? Like, okay, this is just a normal tired you get when you're running. Like, do you feel like you're coming down with something? You can look at your heart rate that will give you clues um, as if you need more recovery as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, I think recovery is a huge part of getting stronger as well. So that's Mm -hmm. something that I always talk to my athletes about, Um, but I, I totally agree with you. Like with the hustle culture, it's like, okay, you should be running seven days a week.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: I think for each person, you have to kind of find that sweet spot. And for me personally, it's been run five days a week. One of those weeks or one of those days I will do a lot of walking. And then one full day I take completely off to
0: rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, you know I've joined one of these groups just to just for comic relief on facebook and it's a it's a group centered around this uh, very motivational marine guy who likes to talk about carrying boats and uh I think I know what and, you mean <laughs> and unfortunately, it's mostly filled with like very impressionable young men like eighteen year old folks that seem like they don't have a lot of guidance in life, and so mm-hmm. they take everything that he says to heart you know like because, you know, the, me being grown up and having, you know, a, a good head on my shoulders, I can say, okay, you know, that's fine for him to talk to himself like that, but I'm not going to like expect other people to do that. But some people mm-hmm. take it to heart and they're like, yeah, you know, you know, I'm tired this morning. Well, so what, you know, work hard or nobody cares or something like that. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, but how many years do you want to do this? I mean, like that'll work out for a little while, but like, eventually you're going to be like. I have an autoimmune condition. I don't know what happened. It's like, well, how many years did you go without without sleep? Your body's just like, hey, bro, if you're not going to willingly take a break, how about I provide you with an opportunity? So I worry about that for folks where they're just like they get caught up in that. And the people that are successful in running, in ultra running, I think, are able to use their brain to basically flail their bodies against the course until – till it's over with, not when necessarily would have been a good idea. So yeah, I worry that people take too much of that stuff to heart, especially when they don't have any frame of reference.
1: Yeah. I always tell athletes when they start to work with me that my number one goal for them is to set it up so they can run for as long as they possibly can later into life. Mm -hmm. So we have to find that balance between pushing ourselves and meeting our goals Right. And giving our body that little bit of time that it needs to rebuild itself.
0: Yeah. That's great. I love that.
1: Yeah, Thanks.
0: Yeah. There's uh there's a lot of <clears throat> confusing information, you know, there's, because there's so much information, it can, can be tough. Like even with wearables, uh, like I said, I'm two days out from this race that just tore me up really bad, like muscularly, but yeah. because I was cramping the whole time, I wasn't able to go real hard and I was able to fuel very well and and stay within i guess you know the fuel requirements and so my my little wearables like hey your HRV's good your resting heart rate is great but i can barely get out of the bed like physically or like yeah you know what i mean or like sit down and get back up i'm like so if i were just going off of metrics then i would be like well it's time to train i guess you know but yeah it's like, right. well, maybe wait till you can walk downstairs without wincing <laughs> <laughs>
1: Might
0: be a few days. Yeah. Yeah. We'll give it a break this time. That's great. Uh, so can you talk to me something about, about, uh, post injury running? That's, it's something you also said that you sort of specialize in. And, uh, I wonder like, how do you, how do you balance that with, so you're, you're being a practicing coach. You have a lot of experience Mm -hmm. running. You've been running for a long time. How do you balance that with, um, that's also thing that I see on the internet of folks saying like, well, you have to talk to a doctor. I can't tell you anything or whatever. Like, um, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, if someone would say, Hey, how do I measure my resting heart rate? You'll see this with coaches that they're like, I'm not a doctor. And it's like, well, just look at their watch. It says it right there. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: um, well, when I have an injury, uh, injury prone runner or someone coming back from an injury, I always start them out very gradually. And a lot of times they want to jump right back into it, but I kind Mm -hmm. of have to pull them back, remind them, okay, we have to go through this process. You have to relearn to trust your body again. And I think a lot of it is mental for runners Mm. coming off of an injury because, you know, they are afraid it's going to start hurting again. Sometimes they may still feel pain in that area, even if maybe it's actually not there. Mm -hmm. So one little trick for that that I teach is if you have knee pain, and you've had this injury, but it's healed, it's getting better Then, when you're running, focus on maybe the opposite foot. Because mentally, that takes your mind off of that pain that you're so used to feeling. And Mm -hmm. I found that that's helped a lot of my runners move forward from injuries.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah. I've, I've experienced that before, too, where it's like, I had some hamstring pain. And then you just think about that hamstring a lot. You're like, is that, a, yeah, that's something. He's
1: obsessed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. And do you see, is there a, would you, would you say that there's a lot of parallels between that kind of post-injury running and then folks that are maybe for the first time, like doing couch to half marathon or something like that, where they're, you know, getting into it for the first time, they may experience shin splints if, if mm-hmm. it doesn't go well, or even if it does go well.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when you're starting out, you're going to have some muscle imbalances. Um, And usually the first time someone tells me, okay, I have this pain in my shin, I ask them a series of questions so I can get a better idea of if it is just something that maybe was, you know, it's just going to last for one run or do we need to take a break or can we run through this? Um, And I always give them rehab exercises to start Mm -hmm. strengthening that area.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Wait, can you, can you give me some of those questions? What that, what that looks like?
1: Yeah. I always say, um, does it get better or worse mm-hmm. the longer that you're running? How did it feel when you were finished? How did it feel through the rest of the day? Um, it, was it a sharp pain or was it a dull ache? Mm-hmm. And I think the answers to those questions will give you a lot of information because if once you warm up, if it starts to feel better, then generally it's something that you can train through with some strength work. Um, but if it's getting worse, the longer you're running, you might want to take a day off um, mm-hmm. and you know possibly go to a physical therapist.
0: Yeah, it is good to see this trend of the physical therapist kind of, they used to kind of shift to like, well, it hurts when you run, well, don't run, or but to now... Yeah being like, well, let's do, you know, let's do whatever you can that only hurts up to this level or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, kind of the motion is lotion sort of thing, as opposed to before, I'd be like, we'll just sit down forever.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Just stop running. It's bad for your knees. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I've been lucky because I found a really great physical therapist, and so every time I feel an ache or pain, I go in to see him. He gives me some new strength exercises, and it's—I've been able to run through all potential injuries.
0: Nice, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of ignorant to it. I've been running for about 13 years, and I haven't gotten my first injury yet, except for wow, that's impressive. I mean, falling down or something, but I, I don't consider those yeah. injuries. I just figure it's like, whatever, it's part of the game. But, um, yeah, But yeah. so um, when people, you know, they ask me anything about training, I'm like, well, this is how people normally do it. This is what you need to carry. Or, oh, don't forget your bear spray. But then when they're like, I got, you know, whatever, uh, some kind of tendinitis, I'm like, well, that sounds terrible. Like, I can look it up. <laughs> this is what people usually do. I <laughs> got some weird socks for that or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So um, one other thing you kind of talked about on your on your coaching page was about um, Mm -hmm. support, support and motivation during running. What how do you think about that and how do you how do you implement something like that?
1: I talk a lot about the process Mm -hmm. of running. Um, I think it's important if you are training for a goal race like the goal is important, but ultimately it's the process of getting up every day and putting in the work and finishing and just feeling really good about yourself. I think Mm -hmm. you learn so much more from that process. If you can just like embrace it, understand that every day isn't going to be easy, but it is worth it in the Mm -hmm. end. And then you get to the race. And I always tell my runners, you know, okay, it's it's race day. Like, this is the celebration. Mm-hmm. Like, you're celebrating all those early mornings or late nights, all that sacrifice. And now you get to go out here and do this thing that you love.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. It reminds me of that Stephen Siler. I think he says, uh, you know, training is baking the cake and then racing is when you eat the cake or whatever.
1: Exactly. And I love racing, but some of these longer races then you have to take a little bit more time off afterwards. And that for me is the hardest part. Like I just yeah. want to start again and start getting up early and getting out there every day. Cause that's the part that's the most fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh it can be difficult, especially when you're, you know, I'd, I'd say for people that are starting, you know, there's like probably three weeks where it's not going to be very much fun. Um, And then after a while, you're like, oh, this is fun. Wow. I didn't think it was ever going to get fun. And then uh, after that, it can be easier to shift into like, oh, this is, you know, not just the race, not focusing on the race, but also like, oh, just being out here today. Isn't this nice? You know?
1: Yeah. And setting many goals for yourself along the way, you -hmm. know, like, okay, I'd like to get to the point where I can run five miles and it feels good. And then when they reach that point, then they're really proud of themselves and say, "Okay, what do we what do we want to do next?"
0: Mm-hmm. And so, is that the kind of thing that you're looking at when you're looking at train? So, you use um, what's it called? Final surge, I think, for your coaching, right? Yeah, I haven't used that yet. I'll have to check that out. But do you, is that what you're looking for when you look at people's training? Is you're kind of like looking for these milestones? Are like, oh, this is a little quicker than normal, or what? What kind of things are you looking for there when you're? kind of going through the support process and motivation and, you know, helping them appreciate the, the process.
1: So for me, I look at all the data and I think the data is important, but the communication part of it is even more important for my mm-hmm. coaching style. Mm-hmm. Um, I always ask them, you know, how did you feel? Did you have any aches and pains today? Like, just how did you feel mentally? How did you feel physically? And I learn a lot about what they're able to tell me Mm-hmm. And from there, like the other day, I just had um, someone who's training for a marathon and she did an eight mile run and it was like her recovery week. So that was her longest run in her recovery week. And she said, I, I finally got to the point where eight miles felt like an easy run.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it was no problem. And so for her to tell me that, then I know where she's at with her running and OK, her endurance is improving you know, the mental part of it, she's excited about it. Um, And from there, I can start to increase her mileage based off of what she's telling me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that great when someone gets to like the, you know, where they're like, they progress from, oh, I need a day off to you give them just an easy run. And then they're like, wow, I felt like I took a day off because of that run. That's Yeah. That's when you're like, Oh, it's, it's working. It's working.
1: Yes. That's the best part about being a coach is just watching people overcome things and get stronger, especially the whole mental side of it. I love to see when you can, you know, hear their comments after the long run, especially, and you can just see them growing from Mm -hmm. run to run.
0: Nice. So you, you grew up in a running family and started running mm-hmm. when you were six. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you keep the focus for some folks getting into ultras? What's well, I think you said that you had, you've only been doing ultras for three years, but it looks like it's like you did one a little while back before then. And then you were yeah. like, that's enough for me. I'll take a few years to really do some more ultras. Um, how do you keep the beginner's mind? Um, And, you know, when you're talking to people and kind of helping them, you know, gauge when to stop, when to go, all of these sorts of basic skills that one needs to learn when they're getting started.
1: Yeah. So, well, to go back to how I got started. So I did my first um, 50K when I was 32 and my daughter was like eight months old. Um and then I took a break. I was trying to get pregnant with my second one and we had um some miscarriages in there and I was told that I shouldn't run long distances while we went through this process. Um and then after she was born in 2017, then I got and started really getting into ultras. Mm-hmm. Um and my dad was an ultra runner as well. Oh wow. So yeah, so he started when he was in his 40s. So he was running ultras back when it was like you filled out the piece of paper and mailed it in right? to yeah. sign up. Yeah. So I've learned a ton about it from him. Um, just a lot of little things. I think that people don't do anymore.
0: Wow. Um, he, is, he is such an OG, huh? Gosh. Yes. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah it's, his well, stories are amazing.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you. You said uh, do things that people don't do anymore. What's like, like what?
1: Like there's simple things. I think like, um, he always tells me, okay, when, when you're going into an overnight race, you have to have like a throwaway flashlight. So, you know, I've got like my fancy lights, um, you know, that everybody else is wearing now too. And I would have never thought, Oh, this thing could die. Mm -hmm. You know, I might be out here in the middle of the woods and, even though I paid a lot of money for it and it's not supposed to die. It it could. So he says, carry your, your little flashlight with you. And that's come in handy. I did have it die one time and that saved my race. Yeah. Um, Things like that. Things like eating real food, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, just listening to your body when you're out there, problem solving. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's been really beneficial for me.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that. I've been trying to figure out, I like to try to find different perspectives. Like maybe people mm-hmm. are coming from a different sport and then they come in ultra running and they're like, oh yeah, we all do this in endurance, you know, whatever, scooters or whatever. Um, yeah. Why don't y'all do that? So I hadn't, I hadn't thought about the old, older school, you know, ultra runners because well, like nowadays I, I consume a lot of podcasts. I like to listen to a bunch of stuff. But a lot of people are really scared to, like, to say, like, you need to lose half of a pound or whatever. They're like, you're going to have an eating disorder if you, like, think about what you weigh or whatever. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, an older person might look at you and they'd be like, lose some weight. Right. (laughs) You know?
1: That's Uh,
0: so true. Yeah. So I wonder wonder what other jewels are there that folks are scared to speak up because they're like, you know. But whereas when I think as folks get older, sometimes they get bolder and they're like, whatever, if you don't like it, I don't care. Um, yes. <laughs> <so> yeah. <laughs> i have to get some more of that. On. That's fun. Yeah.
1: And then getting what you're asking about also, you know, getting people to kind of embrace the process with ultras. Um, and I, the one thing I always tell uh, my athletes who are training for ultras is, is there's so much more to learn. Like you run one, And you learn more about it than you ever thought was possible. And it's no one can really you can tell someone what's going to happen or how it might feel, but you just can't understand it until you experience it. Mm
0: -hmm. And then the
1: second one happens. And then, you know, something crazy goes on with your body. And, you know, there's so much to learn with each one that you Mm -hmm. only gain from experience. So that's why it's so much fun. It's yeah. because it's an adventure and you don't know what's going to come up during each race and how you're going to react to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah. The reaction part is tough to learn too. I, there was a guy uh, on the 50 K a couple of days ago and he was, he was like, how are you doing? I was like, Oh, cramping. He was like me too the whole time. And I was like, man, you know, and then, uh, so I just kept running and then I figured he would catch back up. And then, an hour or two later i was like oh man i hope he makes it i should have i should have stopped you know stopped with him because i knew he was newer and been like hey have you been eating salt and whatever you know kind of helping <laughs> troubleshoot it but i didn't i was just suffering so i wasn't really thinking about anybody else i was just having a little having a little moment with myself and oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah i finished and then he did finish i was like oh my gosh you finished i can't believe it i thought for sure you would have quit And he was like, yeah. He was like, so your cramp stopped. I was like, no, I just kept running. You know, (laughs) he was like, (laughs) he was like, there's the experience there. I was like, yeah, I mean, I tried to stop, but it it didn't stop and I can keep moving. Well, it's going to do this. You don't have to feel good to do well, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think the more you do, the more you trust your body and understand like, okay, I'm uncomfortable now. Like this really sucks, but it's going to pass eventually. And Maybe if it doesn't pass during the race, I'll feel better after the race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People give David Horton the credit for this one where it's like, it doesn't always get worse, you know? (laughs) True. Sometimes it does though. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Well, um, so can you, will you tell me, you know, how you get folks to, approach the mental toughness aspect and then kind of like what we were talking about, about, um, you know, also knowing with the problem with ultra runners or people that are tough minded, you know, um, i.e. moms, you know, they Mm -hmm. can, they can endure stuff to their detriment. And so like, uh, how do you teach people to like when to employ mental toughness and when to maybe pull on the reins a little bit?
1: Um, well, I think, That breaking it down helps no matter what you're doing, really. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you are in an ultra, if you're out on a long run, whatever distance that might be for you, I always tell my athletes, you know, break it down into smaller pieces. Mm -hmm. So if you're running 100 miles, don't think about 100 miles because that's going to be completely overwhelming. You don't know what's going to happen over the course of that 100 miles. So break it down. I'm just running this mile right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say, be where your feet are and deal with those problems in that moment. So when something goes wrong, you know, pull it back, give yourself a second to freak out if you need to. Uh, sometimes we need to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then focus on what you can control. So maybe you can't control the fact that your stomach doesn't feel good, that you can't eat right now, but you can control having a positive outlook. You can control taking one step forward. So no matter what it is my athletes are doing a workout or a long run or race, whatever it is, that's how I approach it. I tell them you just have to keep breaking it down into smaller pieces, tackle what's right in front of you, and then you'll eventually get to where you need to be.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And then when you, if it just keeps get if it just keeps being bad, you're doing what you can. Uh and it's not getting better. Then then what you, then what do you do?
1: You just keep problem solving. Yeah. You know, you say, okay, well, I'm cramping. Okay, do I need salt? Do I need to slow down? So you just keep going down the list. Um when I'm in an altar my husband is pacing me, he always says, Okay, how are you feeling? you know, and I tell him what's going on. He says, Okay, we're gonna do a quick body check. So we go through all the body parts, we start at my feet. How do your feet feel? Okay. Well, my feet feel okay. How do your shins feel? My shins feel okay. And then we problem solve any issues that come up along the chain. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, you just have to understand too, like sometimes in an ultra, you're just going to go through a period where you feel bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's this Zig Ziglar thing where he talks about you, uh, Yeah. He's like, uh, you know, you can plant the seeds at the right time of year and water them and pull the weeds and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden a hailstorm comes through and destroys your crop. It's like, you know, sometimes it's just not your day, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I think about when that happens is if everything is going wrong and it feels like it's never going to end, I always tell myself, this is what you came for.
0: Right. Like, yeah.
1: This is why you do this, because when it's really hard, that's when you grow.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. for me, that's
1: the whole point of all of it.
0: It's so hard. That part is so hard because I've done it I, is. I tell that to myself, too. I, I can see from outside of myself. I say, hey, remember when you signed up and you thought or like say you were at the last aid station of a 200 miler and you saw someone suffering? and You said, I think I want to get me some of that suffering where well, you're in it right now. You know." <laughs> enjoy yeah. <laughs> yeah but even then you're still you're like oh. it's like it's like you just burned yourself you know what i mean you're like oh yeah. okay gosh <laughs> that's hard but the that's stories to afterwards
1: forward. the stories yeah. you make afterwards are amazing
0: it's true it's true and there's you know there's much to be gleaned from a, a a race that just went terrible and you uh either were able to rally or were not able to rally or whatever. Like mm. in, You know, you still made it. When you tell people that, you say, "Oh, I only made it seventy-two miles." They're like, "You ran, right?" (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. it's still an accomplishment, and you still learn something from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough though. It's tough. It's it's hard to get a good perspective. I think you know, helping people, um, you see people. It it doesn't come naturally to appreciate all the good stuff you did to get Mm -hmm. through a really tough race and then see like see it as an accomplishment like wow i made it right. all the way even though everything went terrible and i had to it was just like a fight gone wrong the whole time and then it finished whereas most people would just yeah. not you know yeah yeah it's tough well um can you tell me i'm i'm curious about coaching i've I've learned yeah. I've I've, I've uh, done a lot of it uh, had a lot of experience with running and ultras like first year mm-hmm. I started running, I did the Rocky Raccoon fifty miler and a pair of toms, if you can believe that. Oh um, my gosh,
1: that's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was it How was were the, your feet? They were great. They were great. I mean that was the height of the born to run boom, and I just like trained my feet before I started running. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this thing. So i took a month off from running and just walked in them, walked to work, mm-hmm. walked up and down these Hills, lived in Austin, Texas at the time. And there's this Hill called the Hill of life. Just went up and down that up and down that in my little shoes. And so that was fine, but everything else was terrible. Right. You know, I, yeah. I sprinted the first 16 miles and then death marched the last, the, the rest of it. But, yeah, um, but uh, you know, been around the sport for a long time worked a lot of aid stations and races and stuff like that and so i see what goes wrong and what goes well and but um but it's really intimidating it's, i guess especially with um imposter syndrome and you know i follow i follow some of the same coaches that you follow and s- most of them are very gracious but some of them are like well i know everything and like you can't coach people because you don't know anything and i've been around forever so it's like, it's really intimidating to put yourself out there because, but also if someone were to say, Hey, you know, that guy during the race, I was like, Oh, I, I bet I know what's wrong with him. And, you know, and I, I could give him some advice where I would know hundred percent it's correct. But mm-hmm. to say like, I'm a coach, I will teach your whole journey. That's, that's intimidating. How do you, how did you get over that hump?
1: I think it's just experience, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that in the beginning, that is really challenging because you're like, how do I know better? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, but I think the longer you do it, the more confident you become in that. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is like runner feedback. And when they tell you like, I finished this race because uh, you helped me do this, you helped me through this process. I think that, it kind of helps get you over that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think it takes a little while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, focusing on the, maybe focusing on the people that you want to help rather than, mm-hmm. than me focusing on myself and like, Oh, someone's going to say something dirty about my haircut or whatever, because yes. you know, they don't like how I coach or something. Would be a part of it, but it's, it just seems like a, seems like a lot, but it maybe maybe it's just a mind I switch.
1: Also. Yeah. I think it's a mind switch. And I think it's also like looking at it, like this is something we're doing together. So I mm-hmm. always get their input. You know, I always say, you know, what workouts do you enjoy doing that we've done so far? Like I want it to be tailored to each individual.
0: Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think
1: that kind of helps pull you out of yourself as well. So it's more of like you're working as a team. And right. I always say, okay, you know, like which schedule works best for you? Like, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. I think you can get a lot of answers that way.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. That, uh, Yeah, it's kind of like the, It's it kind of feels like in the vein of nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, and I I would say that, and when I look back on any bad coaching experiences I've had, it's, it's only been because I'm like, I don't think they care that, you know, that I'm over here doing this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's never been like, well, they don't know anything. It was always just like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that they, you know, care that I'm in, it's like two feet of snow and I'm supposed to do an interval workout today. And I hurt my knee like three days ago. Like, I don't. Yeah. And that's not a good feeling. (laughs) It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I always.
1: Yeah, I mean I I'm always checking in on them and I get very invested in each individual as well.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, when
1: they have a race, like I'm probably just as excited as they are and I think that they can tell. And yeah. I think that that helps build trust as well.
0: Nice. So, and if you were if uh if you so if you had any advice for someone wanting to get into coaching, well, what, what what would the let's see, three-part plan look like?
1: Um, Well, I think the first thing is you need to decide what kind of runners you want to coach. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to figure out like what your specialty is and that will also set you apart. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you want to coach um, other parents and teach them how to manage that lifestyle? Do you want to coach ultra runners? Do you just want to coach um, beginners or maybe people who are training for half marathons? So I think it's important to figure out what you want to specialize in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to learn from other coaches, you know, like following them on Instagram, seeing what they have to say. Like, I I really love to follow Sally McRae and mm-hmm. she's another coach as well. And I just love her approach to it. So, you know, reading her books and what she has to say about coaching, I learn a lot from that as well. So I think finding out what kind of coach you want to be and what your Mm -hmm. style is going to be, because there's so many ways you can approach it.
0: Right. That's good. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a, by niching down, that's real smart because then you can kind of, uh, you can see what really is different between the populations and then what really isn't. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. read this book. I'm 48, 47. That sounds good. 47, somewhere in there. And, uh, And I was reading this book. It's called fast after 50 by Joel Friel. You know, the guy who wrote the triathlon training Bible and all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and I listened to the, there's audio book. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the truth. I didn't read it. We didn't read a paper book. I I listened to it. And (laughs) when I, when I was listening to it, when I got done, I was like, this just sounds like just how to be fast. And like, yeah, it, I was like, it, you know, this would work on anybody you know, on any age. I was like, he got me with the title. He got me. I mean, like, yes. it was basically like his other books, but it was just like, well, when you're old, yeah, you still got to run. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, try to run, try running faster. How about that? And I was like, it's well, that simple. <laughs> I was like, well, he's got a point, but also it helps to, you know, there were some concerns, like, well, maybe you can train less because it takes you longer to recover. But all, but all the rest of the stuff you still got to do you still got to do some intervals, you still got to do some you know threshold yeah. work or whatever. I was like, mm, okay, well, that's good it's sort of sobering <laughs> and what do you who who would you say is your your avatar the person that you kind of focus on or or people mm-hmm. um
1: in terms of coaching
0: yeah and coaching
1: oh, um well, I would say that I coach a lot of runners who are looking to get into ultras. Okay. Yeah. So I do have some across the board. I think mainly the people that are drawn to me, though, are looking for someone who you know wants to communicate with them wants to be adaptable. I think a lot of my runners have busy lifestyles and they're looking for a coach who is flexible Mm -hmm. and willing to work with them. And, you know, like if someone says, Hey, I had a meeting come up or, Hey, my kid just had, has a soccer game this weekend. I can't do my long run that day. I say, okay, let's make it work. Then let's Mm -hmm. figure out what day it is going to work. So I think that's really been my niche. Also, you know, we talked about the injury prone runners, that as well. I coach a lot of runners who are coming off injuries or have just been really injury prone.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a good niche to have. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing all your wisdom. I really appreciate it. uh, And so is your dad going to be out at the race?
1: He is. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, I'll have to, I'll have to pick his brain if I ever have some downtime and he's around.
1: Absolutely. I'm sure he'll be out there pacing me in the middle of the night.
0: Oh, cool. Cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I look forward to seeing you out there.
0: Well, if Sarah isn't nice, I don't know who is. If you're looking for a coach, check out her page at teamrunrun.com. I'll leave a link in the notes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope your tomorrow is extra.